I'd like to do is to invite you to pray with me um, for this moment. Um, so why don't we do that first? God, thank you for your presence in this place um, and in our homes as we tune in um, to reflect on your word. I stand um, before you, Laura, very aware of my sin and my shortcomings, um, and also aware of your power and your grace. Um, thank you for your grace, God, and um, I pray that in this moment, Lord, you will take over my mind, my heart, my emotions, and my words, um, that you will prepare the hearts of everyone here and at home, whatever they may be listening, Lord. Um, and that your word um, will bear fruit. Um, that we will take this time to reflect on what your word has to say, Lord, um, and find ways um, to put it into action in the days to come. In your name we pray, amen. Um, so today I wanna, you know, I'm gonna be using some technology here, which is kind of scary and exciting. Okay, there you go. We'll, we'll give this a try. Um, the first thing I want to do is read um, the Word of God for you. I don't know how to... There, okay. There you go, all right. So our passage today is in James chapter 2, verses 14 through 26. Um, and the Word of God says... What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But some will say, your faith, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be known? you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac at the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way was not also Rahab, the prostitute, justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For as the body, apart from the spirit, is dead, so also faith, apart from works, is dead. The title of my sermon today, um, it's um, found in James 
And it is simply faith without works is dead. And um, before we dive in today, I have a call to action for you guys. I would like to invite you today um, to think that perhaps, you know, give you a little homework for this week, um, if you will. Um, because I think it would be worth nothing if we spend some time today meditating in the Word and don't have anything that we can apply as we leave this place. Um, so I'd like to invite you and encourage you to set aside some time this week to read the entire book of James. The entire book of James is only five chapters. They're very short. So you can pick one chapter a day starting tomorrow, and you can be done by Friday. All right? I think that's what I would like you to do, and this applies to everyone, men, women, single, married, young, old, you know, so I like to ask you who are here and you who are at home, will you commit to doing that this week? Not for me, but for yourself. Will you, do you think you can find time to read the book of James? And I may suggest, you know, maybe you do it um, after dinner, you know, after you fill your body, you say, okay, now it's time to fill my soul, so I'm going to spend some time reading the book of James, one chapter a day. If you're single, you could do it on your own. If you have a family, you could do it with your family. If you have roommates or friends or whatever, but just after dinner, every day, and that will be a way for us to be connected as a church, whatever we are, um, you know, reading the same things, studying the same thing, and meditating in the same things, and asking God to speak to us personally as we go through scripture this week. So, um, can I count with you guys to do that this week? Amen? All right, great. I think that would be, you know, that would make my, my heart happy, and, that, and, and we will make your heart happy. So that's the call to action um, for this week. Um, and before we dive in, I want to share with you a little bit about James, you know, some of the kind of like behind the scenes stuff before we get into, you know, verse by verse, um, and a little bit about the historical context. A lot of the things that I'm going to share with you today, I found in a study Bible that I have that I love is, is the Life Application Bible. I also have an ESV study Bible, so this is things that is accessible to everyone. Um, and if I may, I can encourage you guys to buy a study Bible online, and when you read the Word, you know, just look into some of those commentaries, because they help understand some of the tricky things um, that we find in, in the Bible. Um, so when I, when I think about the book of James, you know, one of the things that, that, we, need to be in, that we need to be mindful is that the author of this book, um, it's um, James, Jesus' brother, um, and there's evidence of this in the book of Acts and in the book of Matthews. You know, there's, there's, there's a couple of references that uh, point out to him as, as being Jesus' own brother. Um, the original audience for the book of James, when he was writing this, the people that he was writing this to, was to the 12 tribes that were in dispersion. And this is the very opening sentence in the book of James, chapter 1. It says, to the 12 tribes that are in dispersion. And who were those people? Those were considered first century Jewish Christians um, that were reciting in Gentile communities, um, probably gathering in home churches, not like in a, in, a, in a big space like we're not, but like, you know, with their friends and, and whatnot. Um, and they were outside of Palestine. Um, this would also fit the situation that we see in the book of James, where uh, the author is addressing uh, persecution and poverty um, in the letter. Um, he is addressing Christians who have fallen um, into a worldly lifestyle. He's addressing people who have failed to put their faith into practice, um, becoming double-minded and wavering between the church and the world. 
Um, and I think some of that, you know, is relevant for us today as we read the book of James as well. Um, the letter expresses his concern for the persecuted Christians who were once part of the church in Jerusalem. Um, and the main theme is, his primary theme is that living out one's faith, being a doer and not just a hearer of the word. Um, this is a theme that you're going to see throughout the book. Um, the theme is developed in view of social conflict between the rich and the poor of that time. Um, and um, the spiritual com conflict also between, you know, fractions in the church where people were fighting over different ways of interpreting scripture um, and applying it. He is rebuking his readers for their worldliness um, and challenging them um, to seek divine wisdom um, uh, to work out their problems and seek to get right with God. And um, as you saw as part of our reading today, the main verse of the, of the book um, is found in chapter 2, verse 18. Uh, that reads that some will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Um, show me your faith without your deeds and I will show you my faith um, by what I do. So these are some of the things that I want you to, to have in mind as you... Um, uh, read this, um, and um, I want to also share with you a little bit of an overview of what you will encounter as you read the, the letter um, this week. Um, in chapter one, you're going to see that James begins the letter by outlining some general character characteristics about the Christian life. Um, you know, he tells people that you'll have trials and temptations, and that we should consider it pure joy when we go through trials and temptations. And this is like life is going to be hard. You know, you're going to be a believer, but everything is not going to be roses scholar. You are going to suffer. And somehow he's saying, consider this pure joy. He's going to say, he, you're going to see in there that, that um, testing of your faith will develop perseverance in us. And if you have been through trouble, you know what perseverance is like. Um, you know, if you have been through trouble, you know what resiliency is like. Um, he says that if you lack wisdom, you should be asking to God. Uh, he says that we should be quick to listen and slow to speak. And I think that's something that many of us could probably take into. Um, he says that religion that God upsets as pure as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. All of this is in chapter one. This is what you're going to see on Monday. And then on Tuesday, as you enter into chapter two, you're going to see an exhortation for Christians to act justly in society um, and what that looks like. Uh, Wednesday, chapter three, you're going to see the importance of controlling one's speech. Um, you know, and, and there is a lot of references to that throughout the Bible, also about the power of our words and how we can bless or destroy. Um, you know, there's also going to be the, the difference about earthly wisdom and heavenly wisdom, which I think it's also something that's very needed um, for us today to seek, you know, what earthly wisdom looks like and what heavenly wisdom looks like so that we can act accordingly. Later on, on Thursday, chapter four, you're going to see encouragement to turn from evil desires and into a life of obedience to Christ. Um, and then on Friday, you're going to see an exhortation to be patient with each other, to be patient with your brothers and sisters. There was conflict in the early church, and there certainly is conflict today. And James is addressing some of that, saying that we are to be encouraged to pray for one another and also to help each other remain faithful to God. So these are things that you're going to see, and in essence, these are things that, you know, can be applied for us as individuals, but also things that can be applied for us collectively as the church, as we're gathered, whether we're gathered here or we're gathered at home, whatever it is, these are, these are things that, that we can um, see. Um, and then um, I want you guys, every time I put this slide up, 
I want you to repeat with me. If you are here, and those of you who are at home, just because we can't hear you doesn't mean that you get a pass on this, all right? Every time you see this slide, I want us all to say, faith without works is dead. Let's be doers of the word. So can we give it a try, okay? On three, at home, right? One, two, three. Faith without works is dead. Let's be doers of the word. I think that's my invitation um, to you this morning. So as we see these things, um, you know, let's, let's have that in mind. Now, a couple of important themes that we're going to see throughout the letter. Uh, number one, uh, you know, James is going to be talking about living by faith. This is stuff that we've talked about, you know, hear and put things into action. Claims without conduct are empty faith. Um, a commitment to love and serve and serve others is an evidence of our faith. Uh, we're going to see the, th the theme of trials, where we overcome trials and temptation. This builds character and produces maturity in us. Um, the law of love um, that talks about the fact that we are saved by God's grace and mercy, and not by keeping the law. This was, you know, uh, controversial for certain people in those times, and certainly it's controversial for certain people in our times as well. And, um, and he's going to talk about, you know, that God gives a special command, which is to love our neighbors as ourselves, right, as we see in, in Matthew. Um, and I'll, I'll talk a little bit about how I think love as, as an action verb needs to be translating into um, acts of service. Um, then, We're going to see uh, a theme in here about wise speech, you know, and how when we are wise, wisdom, um, you know, shows itself in the way we talk and in the way in which we address each other and how God holds us responsible for the results of our destructive words. Uh, many years ago, I heard a sermon about someone that was illustrating uh, the power of words uh, by squeezing a toothpaste. Um, like when you squeeze a toothpaste, it's hard to get the content back into, into the little bottle, right? And I think our words sometimes are like that. You know, if we, if we say the wrong thing at the wrong time, in the wrong place, to the wrong person, we can damage so many lives. And I want to encourage us to be mindful of what we're saying at all times. Um, and then we'll talk about a little bit about wealth, you know, and how Christians uh, must not show partiality to the wealthy or be prejudiced. I, I don't know how to pronounce that word. Prejudice is that, is that prejudice, prejudice against the poor. You know, you get it. That's why I wrote it. So it's in there. Um, and um, we'll talk about some of those things. So faith without works is dead. Let's be doers of the word. Um, that's what I would like uh, us to be thinking about. So now let's dive in. Let's start with our first verse. In James uh, chapter 2, verse 14, it says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and be filled without giving them the, the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. I think that's pretty clear what the Bible's saying is in, in there. Um, and it's something that we can apply to different things. Um, when I read this, um, I think about a caterpillar Um, right? Uh, we are, we're all familiar with a caterpillar. You know, it starts out at this thing that nobody pays attention to, nobody likes, nobody gets excited. But then over time, 
undergoes a transformation and, you know, blossoms into a beautiful butterfly that then people try to catch and collect and take pictures of and things like that. I think, you know, uh, you know, an active faith in our lives can take us through a process similar to that because through faith should be able to transform our conduct and our actions um, as well as our, uh, um, um, as our thoughts. Um, if we claim to be people of faith, there needs to be something different in the way we talk, in the way we, you know, um, uh, address each other, relate, relate to other people. I, don't th I think that our lives cannot remain unchanged um, if we claim to have faith. Um, and I think this is what Paul is, is trying to address um, um, in this in this letter. If we truly believe the truth um, that we claim to believe, our lives cannot remain unchanged. When, this makes me think about an old song from the 80s, from the 90s, you know, some of you probably know this. Um, you know, I don't know how many of you are familiar with um, Stephen Curtis Chapman. Um, he's, a, he's an artist that, that I liked, um, you know, and, and the song talks about the change. And the song says, well, I got myself a t-shirt that says that I believe. Um, I got letters on my bracelet that serve as my ID. I got a necklace and a keychain and almost everything a good Christian needs. Uh, yeah, right? Um, I got a little Bible magnet on my refrigerator door um, and a welcome mat to bless you before you walk across my floor. Um, I got a Jesus bumper sticker and the outline of a fish stuck on my car. And let me tell you, I had one of those bumpy stickers, but then I, I had to take it off because I realized that the way I was driving was not very Christian-like, um, if you say so. I had, I had to take off one of, one of those bumper stickers. And then, you know, in the song, he goes on to say that, and although um, all this stuff is well and good, I cannot help but ask myself, what about the change? What about the difference? What about the grace? What about forgiveness? What about a life that's showing I'm undergoing the change? Um, those are the lyrics, you know, and the chorus. You know, thankfully, the song goes on to say, I'm going to have the change. I'm going to have the difference. I'm going to have that grace, and I'm going to have forgiveness, and I'm going to live a life that's showing I'm undergoing the change. I love that song. It's very 90s, so when you Google it or YouTube it or whatever, don't be surprised. It's very 90s, but when I listen to music, I'm looking for lyrics. I'm looking for stuff that's really nourishing my soul and, and filling my spirit because whatever I have inside of me is what I'm going to share with others. So, um, you know, but that song was an illustration to me of what I think, you know, James is trying to get at with this theme um, of faith without works is, um, um, is dead. Um, and when I read the first verse, you know, uh, James 2.14, that says, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? I was thinking about uh, what the word of God says in 1 Corinthians 13. And these were the words of the Apostle Paul that all of us know. It says, if I speak in tongues of men or angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or, or clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom mysteries and all the knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all that I possess to the poor and uh, over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, 
I gain nothing. And this for me was an interesting illustration and comparison to the theme that, you know, of, of, what, of, what, of what James is addressing here. You know, on the one hand, he's saying faith without works is dead, you know, and, and, and works and, and actions need to go together. And these are kind of like the two extremes. Today we have people that are very faithful, full of faith, and then we have people that are, you know, very focused on the actions and the practical ways of things. And here is Paul saying that you could do all these things, you can give everything to the poor, but if you don't have love, um, if you don't have faith, you know, that... Like, what is it worth? So, and I think this is the tension that we need to enter into as a Christian. Um, you know, the Christian life calls us to do both. You know, to be people of faith and to be people of works as well. And the combination of those things can really impact and transform our words. And my encouragement this morning for us is to exercise um, our faith through our love. Um, our works should be an illustration and a tangible example of our love for God and our love for others. Um, love is more important than uh, all spiritual gifts exercised in the church body. Uh, great faith and sacrifice produces very little without love. These are things that I found um, as I was studying and I liked. Um, when you love someone, you give yourself to that person, right? Um, you know, when you love your mom, your parents, when you love your job or, or any project, we put time into this, right? We put effort, we put thought into this, we prepare. Um, and I think, you know, that when we profess that we love Christ and we love, you know, his people, we need to do the same. We need to put time into it. We need to be mindful. We need to be intentional. Um, you know, we need to put our faith um, into action. So I want to encourage us to exercise our faith through our love. And one of the ways that we can do this um, is, if I may suggest, I want to encourage us to perhaps change a little bit the way we pray sometimes or the way we declare things sometimes. Um, it is one thing to say, I pray and declare provision for your life. It's kind of like, go, you know, like, like this is what, what in James 14, you know, the, the person that was hungry or whatever, you say, oh, go in peace. But if we say, I pray and declare that God will use me to be an instrument of provision in your life, then all of a sudden, it's the same thing we're praying, but there is a slight difference in there. We're putting ourselves into the equation. It is one thing to say, I pray for you that God will provide, and it is another thing to say, I'm going to pray that God will use me to provide in your life. And I think that's a challenging thing. Um, there was many, about 15, 20 years ago, I think I stopped intentionally telling people, oh, I'm going to pray for you. I stopped saying that because what ended up happening in my life was that I, it was, I was just saying that left and right and not really praying for people. You know, like when people share their problems with me, like, oh my God, I'm going to be praying for you. And a couple of days will go by, I would not pray for that person. Right now, what I do, if I tell you I'm going to pray for you, I, I say to people, I'm not going to pray every day. I can't commit to that, you know, but I'm going to write it down. And this week, at least one time, I'm going to pray for you, you know, and you can count on it, you know. And now as a result for the past, past 15 years, every time I say that, in my mind, I'm, it, it's a commitment that I'm taking with God, you know, to pray for that person. So if I'm not going to pray, I don't say it. Um, and I... I want to encourage you guys to think the same way because otherwise we're going to be like the same type of Christians that James is describing here that, you know, see someone in need and they say, oh, go be warm, be filled, you know, like, oh, yeah, I'll pray for you. So let's be intentional about who we're praying and what we're praying 
Um, and also asking God, you know, God, use me to be an instrument of, of faith and encouragement or, or whatever it is, you know, uh, for this person. And, and, and let's try that and see um, how that goes. Um, in verse 15, uh, it says, If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, I'll pray for you. Uh, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body. What good is that? I think COVID-19 has been an opportunity for us to pray and to act. Um, and I am honestly, you know, thankful for many, many examples of our congregations where there has been prayer and there has been action um, because I think that's how we touch the heart of God and how we impact um, things. Um, and, um, you know, again, you know, one of the things is like, is one thing to say, God, I pray for Sister Maria, who is in need. She lost her job versus saying, God, I want you to use me to bless Sister Maria, who is in need and lost her job. You know, the moment that you say, God, use me to bless Sister Maria, what are you saying? You're saying, okay, God, I'm going to go to the store and I'm going to buy something for Sister Maria and that's going to be her blessing. But maybe you don't have money either because you also lost your job. That's okay. You say, okay, God, use me to encourage Sister Maria. I'm going to call Sister Maria every week just to check in, to talk to her. You know, we're going to watch a movie over Facebook or Skype together, you know, like separate or whatever. But I'm going to be there to cheer her on, to let her know that she's not alone. I'm doing something as I pray for Sister Maria. That makes a difference. Um, so, our, I, you know, so, so these are some of the things that, you know, we can do as we pray and as we seek to act, you know, for the people in our community. Um, The church in Acts, um, listen to this. I, I was thinking about this as I was reading some of the verses in James. It says, all believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerful at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to everyone who had need. I'm not saying you need to sell your vacation home and give the money to the church. That's not what I'm saying, okay? I'm not saying that you need to sell your jewelry. Like, I, I, that's not what I'm saying. All I want to point out here is that God's grace was profound. Uh, profoundly at work in them all, um, and there were no needy persons among them. If we are part of a community and somebody is in need, our job is to figure out a way to help that person. Um, you know, if we are going to be like the early church in Acts and have all things in common, we need to get out of our comfort zone and we need to try and find creative ways to help people. There's not a one-size-fits-all solution for this thing, but we can be creative um, in the way in which we help others. Um, and uh, and I'll, I'll share a few examples of that, but I encourage you to be thinking about, you know, how can I be that person, you know, that, that really identifies, you know, the need of someone and, um, and goes and help. Again, faith without works. Let's be doers of the word. If you forget everything I'm saying today, but you can remember this one thing, you know, we'll be fine. Okay? All right. That was the church in Acts. All right? 
What about the church in Boston? And not the church in Boston. What about Lion of Judah? When I think about the church, um, I'm oftentimes reminded that I am the church. The church is not an organization. Yes, the church is an organization, is a community, but I am the church. Before the church is an organization and a group, I am the church. Um, you are the church. Um, we are the church in that order. Um, many things, uh, many times, you know, we're proud of, of the things, you know, that our church does, um, you know, and that's good. But when we follow this order that I am the church and you know someone who is in need, I want you guys to pray for them because prayer is the first, that's where it all starts, and also do something. If you don't know someone who is in need, um, then ask others because others will tell you who they know who are in need. I am so thankful for Agencia Alpha and their response to COVID-19. Um, Agencia Alpha, it's a ministry of our church that set up an account and they started to collect money to distribute to people who were undocumented that were not eligible to receive uh, the stimulus uh, that, you know, many people got. Um, you know, when I, you know, just because, and, 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 and it, it is ministry of our church and I'm very proud. And I was confronted with the idea that, okay, just because Agencia Alpha is doing that, it doesn't give me a free pass to be like, oh, my church is doing this, you know, like I've done my part, you know, I'm part of the church, you know, my church is doing this. Again, I am the church, you know. What, what was the call for me? The call for me was to get involved uh, with Agencia Alpha. And there are three ways that all of us can get involved with Agencia Alpha. We could join their costs and send a donation, $10. You know, $10 that you send to Agencia Alpha will go into the bucket. And they will get to a family that has not been receiving the stimulus. Um, but maybe um, if you don't have money to, to give to Alpha, um, it's okay. You know, uh, you can volunteer um, to distribute the food that they have been buying. Um, you know, like, uh, they, need, they need people who give for their causes, but they need people to go to the store to buy food and then to bring their cars and start distributing that food and bringing it to people. And if you didn't know this was happening, it's okay. You can Google them, you can call them, you can email them and be like, how can I be a part of that? Um, you know, and it, it's both things. And, you know, it's, we need people that pray, but we need people that pray and say, okay, God, how can I be part of what Agencia Alpha is doing? You know, I'm going to do this as well. Um, I'm going to tell you something that I did once. Yeah, you know, I'm proud of it, but I'm not proud of it. Um, something that I did when I found out about what Agencia Alpha was doing, I was like, you know what? I don't have, like, a lot of money to give myself, but I'm going to ask my coworkers. And I sent an email to a bunch of people in my office, um, shamelessly, saying, hey, I'm raising money uh, for this organization in Boston, you know, that will support, you know, undocumented families that won't get the stimulus and stuff. Um, I was able to raise about $3,000. It was great, but I only did that at the beginning of the pandemic. Six months later, I haven't done that again. You know, quite frankly, I don't know what has happened to those people that I gave, you know, like I, it was like eight families, $250 each, you know, but $250 lasts very little, 
you know? And sometimes this also happens, you know? Sometimes we get it right. We, we got our faith, we have our action, we check the boss, and then we move on with our lives, um, you know? And, and this needs to be an ongoing thing, you know? Every day, every week, finding out how are you doing, you know? How can I help you? How can I pray for you? What can I do for you? Um, another example, I, I have a picture here of Inespre. Inespre is like a thing in the Dominican Republic where you get, like, food for cheap. Um, this is another example. In our congregation, there are some people that have identified Whole Foods supermarkets. They get their leftover food and they give it to some woman in Metfor who then, you know, sells. Like, you can go to her house, you give her $10, and you can pick stuff and fill an entire box uh, with, like, meat or eggs, uh, vegetables, fruit. It's, it's amazing, Right. There's one family, there's several people in our church that know about that and do that, but there's one family in our church that has really blessed my soul because you know what they've been doing this pandemic? They've identified three families and individuals or four families in our congregation that, you know, are in need. And this family, every week, they take it upon themselves. They go there, they take $30, they get three boxes, you know, and every week they're like driving around Boston distributing those boxes. And they've been doing that, you know, week after week after week after week. And that blesses my soul because that is the church. That's not, this family is not an official ministry of our church, right? This is not Agencia Alpha. This is an individual that said, you know what? I am the church. This is what I'm going to do. Um, and I think that's the call for all of us. We are part of a great church that does a lot in the community, but just because our church is an organized institution, does a lot in the community, does not give us a free pass to just pray and thank the Lord for our church. We need to say, I am the church. What am I going to do? And you don't have to give money. You can get involved and you can volunteer um, your time. Or you can just pick up the phone and call some people and, and, and pray. You know, like there's different ways and it's going to look, look different for everybody. But I'm, I want to encourage you guys um, to... Um, to think about that and ask God what he wants you to do. We recently, we're on the heels of a 24 hours of prayer that we did that was amazing. Um, I believe that prayer changes things. You know, I believe that prayer moves mountains. You know, I believe that prayers break down change. I also believe that action changes things. Um, and I think now is the time for action. Um, we need to, James is telling us, we need to be doers of the word and not just hearers. Um, I think that... Um, this is a great opportunity for our church then the next phase is would be to turn all those prayers into action, into tangible things, which is stuff that we are already doing. Our church is doing all that stuff. Don't get me wrong, but I think all of us can find other things that we can do again. And then perhaps we will start seeing revival, you know, that we all pray about um, for, so, for so many times. Um, I think, you know, like for instance, like if you were praying for the children, you know, there was an hour that we were praying for children's ministries. My encouragement to you, is if you care about the children's ministry, not everybody needs to care about the children's ministries, but if you care about the children's ministry, we haven't been doing children's ministries and we're trying to figure out how to do something virtually for the children. So if you care enough, contact Marina and tell her, you know, I've been praying for the children's ministries. I want to teach a lesson. 
we'll give you the materials. We have all the materials, you know, um, and all you need to do is kind of like what Sony was doing. She got on Facebook Live on her phone, and she's just started, you know, teaching a lesson. That's all it needs, you know. If you're going to pray for a ministry of the church, ask God, okay, God, how can I bless the children's ministry? Maybe children's ministries is not your thing. Maybe it is the youth or the women or marriages or singles or whatever. Whatever you're praying for, try to insert yourself into the equation and say, okay, God, how can I be a part of blessing this ministry? What can I do to bless this ministry? And let's start doing it. Um, you know, that's, that's, that's my thing. I think prayer changes things, action changes things, um, and it's time for us to um, do prayer and action. James chapter 2, 17 and 18 says, so, so also by faith, faith by itself does not have works, is dead, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works, show me your faith apart from your words, and I will show you my faith by my works. Something extremely important I want to stress here is that we cannot earn salvation by serving and obeying God, okay? Salvation is not through works. Salvation is by faith alone. All right? So even, you know, and I'm thinking about the guy who, who died at the cross, the thief, uh, you know, he is saved. He didn't get a chance to do anything for the kingdom, anything for the gospel, right? He was just there, he died, and he's in heaven, and he will be in heaven with you and I, regardless of all the wonders that we do during our lifetime here. Works are not required for salvation. Um, in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 10, you know, the Bible says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourself, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Because the problem when we start doing works and factor that into our salvation is that we, we get prideful, you know, and we start talking about the things we do and how we're better than others and whatnot. We need to be very careful with that, very, very careful with that. It is by faith. When someone gives you a gift, you don't say to them, how much do I owe you, do you? And if you tell them how much I owe you, then, then it wasn't a gift, right? It was like something that you wanted them to get for you or whatever. If someone gives you a gift, you just say thank you, right? Same thing with salvation. You know, when, when, when God gives us the, the free gift of salvation, all we have to do is say thank you, Lord. We don't have to work. We don't have to, you know, do extra stuff. It's just say thank you. But many Christians today, even after they've been given the, the, the gift of salvation, they feel obligated to work their way to God. And we need to know that salvation um, is, is unconditional and it's unmerited. There is nothing we can do to end our salvation other than just receiving the gift of God. However, in Ephesians 2.10, it says, you know, the, the, the verse that follows, you know, because what happens is that a lot of people say, oh, you know what, I, I'm saved by grace, I don't have to do anything else, great, I'm going to go on and live my life. That's, that's an extreme, right? Because verse 10, right after, you know, you're safe, you know, says that for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We are saved by grace, you know, but again, that doesn't give us a free pass, right? We are created to do good works. The works are not required. The works are more of a result of the salvation that we have um, exhibited. And we do this out of love for God and love for our neighbors. Out of our gratitude for this free, free gift, we, see, uh, we seek and help people uh, with love, patience, kindness, goodness, right? The fruit of the Spirit, right? 
First we're safe, then we start exercising the, the fruit of the Spirit. It's not the other way around. It's not that we first start being good, kind, faithful. You know, like, we, we don't start doing those things to get the Holy Spirit. It's the other way around. We're safe, we get it, and then as a result, you know, that's the change that should be evident um, in, our, in our works. Now, if, the, if this is not enough, look what the Bible says in Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. It says, and he gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. That's what we're called to do. We're called to build up the, work, the, the body of Christ. How? In different ways. Some are evangelists, some are shepherds, some are teachers. You know, like we all have different gifts. We all have different areas that we can, that we can shine. But the thing that we have in common is that whatever gifts we have, it's for building up of the body of Christ. Your time your resources, your skills, how are you using that to build up the, the body of Christ? Many people think that in order to do ministry, you have to be a pastor or be involved at a church. You don't. Like, you could be a lawyer, a Christian lawyer, and build up the, 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 the body of Christ but by exercising law with integrity. You can be in finance. You can be in education. You can be a construction worker. You can be a nanny. You can be a, an educator. You know, whatever you do, you know, God can use it to build up the body of Christ. So it's, 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 it's having that um, kind of mentality um, in mind. Our actions are simply to show that our commitment to Christ is real. Now, as we do all these great works to build up the body of Christ, we need to be mindful not to be like the Pharisee and the tax collector. You remember, you remember that, that story in the Bible, right? The two went in to pray, and how did the Pharisee pray? The Pharisee prayed and said, God, I'm thank you like I'm not other people. Hold on, I'm gonna, let's see, where am I? Yeah, he said, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of all I get. You know, he checked all the boxes. He was right with God, and, and, and that's okay, you know? And then the tax collector, how did he pray? He simply said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And what does the Bible says after that? It says, I tell you that this man went out to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humble, but he who humbles himself will be exact, exact, exalted. Guys, this is everything to do with the condition of our hearts. Perhaps many of us are not like the Pharisee, you know, telling everybody what we do and, you know, and, and, and whatnot. But what about our heart? Are, do we feel like this in our heart about other people? Do we feel better than other Christians even? Do we, do we, do we feel more righteous than others? At the end of the day, we're all saved by grace. You know, none of us is perfect. So we need to be mindful that whatever we're doing is not to feel and boost our ego. Um, in Colossians, you know, the Bible says, whatever you do, work heartily, ask for the Lord and not for men. Knowing that from the Lord, you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Whatever we do needs to be as unto the Lord. Not to win our salvation, but out of gratitude for what the Lord has done. Earlier we were singing, this is amazing grace, this is amazing love that, that you laid down your life. Like those songs talk about that grace that is unmerited for all of us. So we need to be mindful of that and careful.
But now let's go back to James. James um, 2, 18 and 19 says, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe God is one? Great, you do well. Even the demons tremble and, sh and shudder. To me, these verses talk about the um, intersection of faith and obedience. The demons believe there is a God. The demons believe, um, you know, God is powerful. The demons believe, right? Just because you believe in God doesn't mean that you are walking according to God's law. That doesn't mean that you are living how God wants you to live. And this is what we need to stress. Like, faith without works is dead. We need to be faithful, but we need to act according to our faith. Um, you know, if you ask the average person, you know, everybody's a Christian in the United States. This is a Christian nation. You know, like everybody's a Christian, but not everybody's living like a good Christian. Um, you know, not everybody is loving their neighbor like themselves. You know what loving your neighbor like yourself means? If you have an empty room in your house and somebody, you know, is being evicted or kicked out of their house, invite them into your house, um, you know, to live with you. You know, that, 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 that's what loving someone like myself would do, you know. Um, if, if one of your, your daughter, if one of your relatives, your sister or your, your, your children, your parents or whatever, all of a sudden are going through something, you would put everything aside for your relatives, right? The same might not necessarily be true, uh, you know, for friends or random people in the church. And it's hard. I'm not saying that we should just, like, you know, treat everybody. It's hard. I don't know where the line is. I don't know where the balance is. But these are the things that we need to be wrestling with and thinking as we think about putting our faith um, into actions. Um, uh, in the James 20, uh, 26, um, Then it keep, uh, James keeps going and he says, do you want to be shown, your foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his work and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. Then it goes on and says, you see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, also uh, faith apart from works is dead. We have established that we're not saved by, by, by works, right? We're saved by grace, and, you know, the result of our salvation produces in us to do good works. Um, in Hebrews chapter 11, we're familiar with the heroes of the faith passage, right? We've read the stories about great men and women of God who were people, why, why did they end up in there? I think they illustrate men and women of God who were characterizing for being doers of the word. These were people that believed, These were people that prayed, and these were people that acted, all right? Let's go down the list. Abel, right? Noah, Abraham and Sarah, Isaac, Moses, Rahab, Gideon, Samson, Deborah. We are all familiar with all these great people. And you know who I would add to the list of heroes of the faith in Hebrews 11? I would add the, the, the last three in here. The bleeding woman, the woman that had an issue of blood for over 12 years. She knew that God could heal her. And what did she do? She took upon herself to chase after him and to go and find him. And she was not going to let him go until she touched him, right? 
You know, she was not just sitting, waiting for her miracle. And that's okay. God can do that too. God, God can really help people, you know, who are, you know, waiting for their miracle. God, God is sovereign. He chooses to, to do whatever he does. But if you are able to chase after the Lord and to, to follow the Lord and do the thing, you know, faith without works is dead. Uh, another example was the centurion, right? The centurion went, right, to Jesus. He found Jesus, and he was like, Lord, just say the word, and my servant will be healed. The servant was not there. You know, this was an example of somebody interceding for someone else, right? Just say the word, and my servant will be healed. His faith was accompanied by his action, right? Um, there was a woman also who, who, who asked the same thing for her daughter, Right? Faith in action. And then uh, the healing of the paralytic. You all remember the story of the four friends that gathered, uh, you know, and they helped a paralytic. You know, they didn't have access to Jesus because everything was full. They went to the roof. They carved out a hole and they lowered their friend so that Jesus could heal him, right? Again, another example of relentless pursuing of God, right? By exercising your faith through action, um, It's going to look very different for everybody, but I just want us to be thinking about the fact that we need to be doers of the word, um, which is something that James also addresses in his letter. In James um, chapter 122, he says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says, right? Anyone who listens to the word but does not know what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away immediately, forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law and gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. I hope that as we leave this church today, you're not going to forget what you have heard today that you will go home and that you will spend the next week reflecting and thinking about things that you can do to put your faith um, into actions. This is the relationship of faith and the gospel. Faith and the gospel to me looks like, you know, if you are a believer and you want God's provision uh, for a better financial future for you and your family or whatever, pray in that direction. But if you want to be better with your finances, create a budget also. Create a budget and stick to it, right? Have an honest conversation with yourself about things that you need and things that you want, right? And spend your money accordingly. Pray, you know, but also take baby steps to do things. And if you don't know how to do these things, seek help. Ask others, you know, there's people that will be willing to help you, you know, and ask and ask and ask until you find someone that commits to help you. If you want a better job or a different job, if you've lost your job, maybe take this time to study online, you know, find out, okay, what, what kind of certificate programs can I do, you know, from home or whatever to prepare myself so that when a job comes around, I'm, I'm ready to apply for it. Um, you know, uh, uh, find out what kind of education you might need. Talk to others, you know, say, hey, I lost my job. Uh, is there anything in your, in your company or whatever? Like, can, can you help me with my resume? Can you help me with a cover letter or whatever? You know, pray about these things, but also begin to take steps and ask God to bless the steps that you are taking, you know, to take care of your situation. Um, if you want provision for your relationship or your marriage um, or a relationship with a coworker, pray about it, but then seek time to have difficult conversations that might be uncomfortable and put it all out there, right? Forgive each other, 
You know, forgive the people that hurt you. You know, flush it out, talk it out. And if you can't do it on your own, seek help. Ask someone else. Ask someone to tell you about someone or someone to ask. Ask and you will receive, the word says. But do your part. Um, if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, this is something that I hear a lot um, in our church. If I may recommend, you know, let's continue to pray in that direction. But the filling of the Holy Spirit is not a Sunday event. It's not something that happens here during the intercession time. I think the filling of the Holy Spirit, um, you know, if you want to be filled, you need to have an honest conversation with God and commit to reading his word. Read his word, you know, ask him to fill you and commit to praying. You know, it's something that God can give you anytime, whether you are in the church or at home or whatever you are, is not confined to, 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 to this place um, or to the nice music that plays in the background. No, you know, and if you really want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, ask yourself, am I reflecting the fruits of the Holy Spirit? You know, there's, there isn't, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. These are, these are, this is evidence of the Spirit. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you should be exercising these things. And if the people around you in your house cannot say that you are somebody who's loving, who's patient, who has self-control, then, you know, you need to work on that, all right? Um, ask yourself, am I loving the way God wants me to love, you know? And how does God want us to love? He says love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, right? It doesn't keep record of wrongs, right? You need to be very forgiving. Ask yourself, you know, for these things to be evident in your life, and you will be manifesting the fruit of the Holy Spirit, and the Lord will continue to fill you. Um, this is all for people who are in the church. If you don't know Christ, if you're not a Christian, but you're curious and you're interested in learning more, um, as you explore the faith, the call to action for you is to acknowledge that Jesus is Lord, that he died for your sins. He died for my sins. He died for all of our sins. Um, accept his free gift of salvation. Start with prayer, right? You pray, you pray with faith, and God will do it. But then identify the church community that can help you grow. Identify a group of people that can help you grow. Whether you come here physically or virtually or whatever, identify others that will help you grow um, in, in your new life of Christ. You know, get a Bible, right? Uh, you know, surround yourself with people that will speak life into you and begin the process. It's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be easy. You know, you may lose some relationships, but begin the process, you know. If you want your children, you know, to love God, your relatives to love God, start living a life that shows them, you know, uh, what abundance in Christ looks like, right? And share with them. Um, and begin to read the Bible, you know. Um, in conclusion... Without works is dead. Let's be doers of the words. The call to action today is that it doesn't matter if we have all the right answers, if we know all the Bible verses, if we can quote scripture. Um, if our lives contradict the gospel with the way we live and the way we speak, then we're not doing anything. Faith brings us salvation but active obedience demonstrates that our faith is genuine. Um, again, your homework for this week. 
is to read the book of James. After dinner, you know, by yourself um, or with others, set aside some time to read the book of James, one chapter a day starting tomorrow. And ask God, God, how do you want me to exercise my faith? You don't have to. He already died for you. If you've accepted him in your heart, you are saved, you know, saved, sealed, and delivered, you know, you're good. Um, But if you can do something for the kingdom to love your neighbor like yourself, I invite you to do this. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Um, Thank you for the wisdom that it is in your word um, and for the access that we have to read your word on our own um, and also to think and reflect about your word with others. Um, I pray that your Holy Spirit um, will visit us individually in our homes this week um, and cause us to spend some time continuing the conversation with you through the reading of the scripture, through prayer times, through conversations with others, that our congregation will be a congregation that edifies people and builds people up and brings them closer to you, God. Thank you because when we fail, you're there to pick us up and show us the way. And I pray, God, that this week will mark a new beginning in the lives of many people in our congregation and that we will be able to use our time, our resources, and everything you have given us to continue to build your kingdom.